Hey, and welcome to our 33rd class from the Christian Basics, or for my Lutheran teenagers out there, Confirmation. Every week, we aim to bring you biblical content that will help you in your new or emerging walk with Christ. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor down at First Lutheran in Houston, Texas. And this week, we're looking at Jesus calling the disciples. Let's roll. Now, in all four Gospels, there are accounts of Jesus calling his disciples. Now, at first blush, that would seem pretty mundane. But actually, when you kind of dig behind the surface a little bit and see what is so different about the way that Jesus called his disciples and who he called to be his disciples, it's actually a pretty interesting story. You see, back then, a student would try to sit at the feet of the greatest rabbi. Students who wanted to be rabbis, they would actually have to study a lot as young men and then try to impress a rabbi with their knowledge of the scriptures so that they might be chosen to be a disciple of that rabbi. They would know the scriptures, might memorize much of them, and then they would know what the other rabbis through the centuries had said about this or that passage. That actually still goes on to this day in many Jewish communities where highly sought after rabbis are sort of in great demand by students who want to themselves become great rabbis. And whereas most students today sort of complain about going to school, all of these students or disciples would have sort of loved to sit at the feet of a great rabbi. It's kind of like if we wanted to get into a great college, like an Ivy League school or something like that, we would work really hard to get the attention of that school to see our good grades, etc. But when Jesus chose his disciples, that's not what he did. That is not how he chose his disciples. Jesus calls 12 ordinary men, people of, you know, probably average intelligence, people who are day laborers, who worked with their hands. They weren't experts at the Bible. They were just normal people, and they were not seeking him out, unlike the disciples of those other rabbis. The first four disciples he calls are four fishermen early on, while they're by the seashore mending their nets. Here's how it reads in the Gospel of Matthew. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat, and their father... And followed him. Now, if these men were plying a trade like fishing, then that means that they were not selected by a rabbi to be one of his disciples. So they were already not of the upper crust of disciples, right? These were these were people who maybe never even wanted to be a rabbi, or even thought about being a rabbi, or even tried to get the attention of a rabbi. So that already really turns things on its head, because when you have a rabbinical school and disciples. The way that Jesus is going about this is exactly backwards. They're not coming to him. He is going to them. And he's not choosing from the best Bible scholars. He is choosing from ordinary people. Not all the disciples, of course, were fishermen. One is really something of a scandal. Matthew, also called Levi in the Gospels, he's a tax collector. And not only that, but he's a tax collector for the Roman Empire, which in the eyes of many would have made him a traitor to the nation and people of Israel. Yet Jesus called him to be a disciple? 
Yes, Jesus called him to be a disciple. Then there was Simon, who's called the Zealot. That means that he was a political revolutionary. And then there was Judas, who of course sold out Jesus and betrayed him for only 30 pieces of silver. And we learn later that he was a thief during the whole time that Jesus was uh, carrying on his ministry. So these are the kinds of people that Jesus called ordinary people, certainly flawed people, certainly imperfect people. Now, you may have noticed the number 12. Well, of course, that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Remember that Jacob, who is renamed Israel, he had 12 sons, and those 12 sons, through God's providence, ended up in Egypt for many centuries. Well, they, their families ended up there for many centuries, and their families prospered greatly, so much so that these 12 sons, eventually, their children became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so these 12 tribes of Israel were given land by God, and, and everything we see in the Old Testament flows from this group of people, these 12 tribes. So do you think Jesus is trying to say something by choosing 12 disciples, that maybe he is now doing a new thing in this new covenant? Yeah, I think so. But let's talk about the character of these disciples. What kind of men were they? Well, these guys were a lot like you and me. They definitely weren't always perfect, far from it, in fact. In fact, one of the better arguments for the reliability or the authenticity of the New Testament itself is precisely the way that the disciples are not always painted in a flattering light. That's called the theory of embarrassment, and the idea is that if an author is willing to depict the reality of a situation, even when it's unflattering, perhaps even to themselves, because, say, if Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew, well, then it gives credibility to the idea that this really was uh, uh, the honest account of what really took place. For example, Jesus often doubts the faith of his own disciples. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing. Once, for example, they're all on a boat together, and a massive storm comes up, and the disciples are terribly afraid. And Jesus says, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Now, Jesus says almost the exact same thing to Peter when Peter actually does walk on the water for a few steps, but then he starts to sink, and Jesus gives Peter a hard time about being uh, ye of little faith. Now, towards the end of Jesus' life, even after they had been with Jesus for three years, they are still showing signs of immaturity. For example, there's a time when Jesus catches them basically having a conversation where there is a dispute that arises among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Sheesh, that is embarrassing. I mean, sure, you might think something like that, you know, by yourself or, you know, talk about it in quiet or something, but they were openly talking about who is the greatest. I mean, a little humility goes a long way, you know? And finally, where were the disciples when Jesus was crucified? Only one, John, was at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother, Mary. So talk about letting a guy down. And yet these were the men that Jesus called to be his disciples. And after Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead, they became his apostles. See, the Greek word for a student is mathetes. An apostolos is one who is sent. And that is exactly what Jesus does after his resurrection when he appears to the disciples. He sends them out to be apostles. It's called the Great Commission. It's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. I'll read it for you. Jesus says, 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our mission as a church is to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't just interested in people who occasionally show up to church from time to time. No, we're to be disciples of Jesus. We're to follow him wherever he goes. And that's to influence every area of our life, our home life, work, parents, citizens. All of that is influenced by the fact that we are disciples of Jesus. We are, in fact, disciples of Jesus in every area of our life. And we can take some comfort that these were all imperfect, very normal people. That is who Jesus went to when he called them. And so you can hear for yourself then the words that Jesus says to these disciples, and you can apply them to yourself. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Well, thanks for joining me this week. Uh, Next week, we are going to look at the Beatitudes. This is maybe the most profound teaching that Jesus offers in his teachings. It's from Matthew 5, from the Sermon on the Mount. And I think you'll find it really interesting. So join us then. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this channel, email me at christianbasicsclass at gmail.com, and of course go to flhouston.org to learn more or to get the worksheets for any of these videos. Until next time, take care.